The following is a presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Big 12 era has begun, and BYU Cougars football is on the air. Martin finds space to the right. Martin's got a first down and more! The 10, the 5, the touchdown! Shaking off tacklers and taking it in for 6. We're two hours away from kickoff, and it's time to get you ready for the matchup with Cougar Pregame Live. Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Cougar Pregame Live is also brought to you by Tucano's Brazilian Grill. Phenomenal flavors, a festive setting, and more fun than you can shake a skewer at. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, to get you ready for today's game, alongside Hans Olsen, here's your host, Jason Shepard. Hans, this stretch of games was always going to be the toughest challenge for BYU, and it has certainly been that thus far. After starting 4-1, and one, the Cougars have dropped two out of their last three, and here comes a much better than expected West Virginia team on the road. This is a big, big game today. That's well, a huge game, and, you know, West Virginia, they've had their own troubles, and I think they're a few picks away from probably losing three in a row. I thought Central Florida had a pretty good game plan against them. They just couldn't hold on to possession. Made a couple of really, really bad mistakes that West Virginia capitalized on. But it's also a team that is excelling in offense right now. They're one of the top rushing teams in the country, 203 yards a game. Um, They're one of the top uh, in protecting their quarterback. They've only given up nine sacks. They do a lot of things really well. It's it's strange because they don't do anything extremely well they just do a lot of things really well and it's been good enough for them to be on a winning track and get themselves to a a bowl game i mean they're fighting for that too and so it's it's a great one and i I know that neil brown had a lot to prove he had a lot to prove at big 12 media day i could tell we had a long conversation with him at big 12 media day he kept gritting his teeth and flexing his jaw and saying oh yeah nobody believes in us and he had something up his sleeve. He knew what this team was going to be about, and they have definitely surprised in Big 12 play. Well, there were a lot of storylines coming into this game, but then it all sort of got thrown out because the biggest storyline is that, according to multiple reports, Jake Retzloff is going to be the starting quarterback today for an ailing Keaton Slovis. Now, just to make everything clear, BYU has not made any official announcement on this. Um, we will get word, though, Greg Rubel is uh, going to be speaking with the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, within the next 30 minutes. Uh, So as soon as he gets any information on that, um, we will uh, certainly pass that along to you, and then we'll talk with Greg coming up in about 45 minutes. But uh, going under the assumption that BYU will have a new quarterback today, what does that mean for the offense that, uh, that really has had two of its worst performances in the last three weeks? Well, it means that you got a Russian quarterback, and that's going to be a big difference for BYU because you go back and look at three conference games for West Virginia, Central Florida, Houston, and TCU. Each of them had quarterbacks that rushed for 50 yards, and each of those three quarterbacks rushed for at least one touchdown. So what does that tell you? West Virginia's three-man front defense struggles a little bit with containing a Russian quarterback. So it it's actually – if The reports are, in fact, true. It's actually a pretty solid situation for BYU because Retzloff is a rusher. He can run around, and he can do a lot of other things too, um, Shep. And we're going to talk a lot about his skill set. 
coming up a little later in the show. Well, in the, the I'm excited for I was excited to see Garrett Green anyway. And now I'm really excited to see, you know, if Retzloff is the guy that goes today, this sort of battle and I realize they're not going against each other specifically, but the the battle between these two quarterbacks, you look at Garrett Green, he's fifth in passing yards per completion. He's averaging almost 16 yards per pass completion. Uh, he's 22nd in rushing touchdowns. He has eight. He's first in the Big 12 and fifth nationally in the most missed tackles forced by a quarterback. 22, by the way. Uh, you have got to bring this guy down. And if Retzloff is the guy, I hope that the West Virginia defense is dealing with something very similar. Yeah, me too. And and I think they will be. Uh, if anything, it's the element of surprise. Not that they'll be surprised that he's taking the field, but just how you use him. That is going to be a big surprise to this Mountaineer defense. It's going to be difficult for them to adjust to. And believe me, you are right on the money with Garrett Green. I want people to watch this guy today. You're going to have a lot of fun with this kid. He's all over the place. He's running RPO nonstop. He's take, he's give, he's run off the middle. He's QB draw. They'll run at least three QB draws, if not five QB draws. He's scored off of multiple QB draws. And he does so many things well in the passing game. He'll miss a pass or two. You know, you'll have a guy running wide open down the middle of the field, and he'll throw it. He'll overthrow it. He'll miss him. He's not Mr. Consistency in the passing game, but he does do enough in the passing game to keep everybody honest. Well, and the other thing about this West Virginia offense that really stands out and and is an issue for an opposition is they're the fourth best team in time of possession. They're averaging almost 34 minutes per game. So you have got to do whatever you can to not let them sustain drives. And one of the reasons that they're able to do that is because of a quarterback like Garrett Green. But this is a team that wants to run the ball. They're they're split. They're half and half, about 200 on the ground, 200 through the air. But they want to run the ball. And you've got to make sure that they do not just completely, you know, take up all the time on the clock on these long drives that end in points. Man, isn't that the truth? And it's so tough. It was funny. I was going back and forth on uh, social media today with Andrew Rich, who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest safeties to ever play at BYU, one of the biggest hitting, best run-stopping safeties to play at BYU. And he was just taking a look at some of the shifting that's going on. BYU's going to have to be really keen with the Mountaineer shift. Anytime they're moving a attached set to detached into a spread situation, you're going to have to shift. You've got to shift your safeties over. You've got to shift your linebackers over. Because what happens is they pull a lineman, and then they've got the quarterback rushing with an option give with an RPO look. And if you're not shifted into it, then you've got a man-on-man situation. And you can't take on West Virginia man-on-man. They're too fast. They've got the pitch option. And they'll get you in third and short. So you've got to be able to shift, find the overloads. You can't let them find number mismatches. You have to be on top of your defensive game in order to be in the gaps and plugging the holes that West Virginia opens. It's just what they do offensively, man. I'm telling you, Shep, this is a really tough offense to play against. It's really tough because they they create all kinds of gaps and open situations with their versatile RPO looks. 
And it's it's not going to be any different today. Just BYU is going to have to scrape and tackle well and be able to shift and get themselves into those overbalanced situations, making sure every gap has a body in it. All right, we're going to get the 4-1-1 on the Mountaineers. The voice of West Virginia, Tony Caridi, is going to stop by to preview tonight's matchup. It's coming up next. This is Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. Jason Shepard in our BYU radio studios in Provo, Utah. In West Virginia is Hans Olsen, and now joining him in the broadcast booth at Milan Pushkar Stadium is the voice of the West Virginia Mountaineers. His name is Tony Caridi. Tony, thanks for taking a few minutes today. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's my absolute pleasure, and welcome, guys, to Morgantown. Welcome to West Virginia, and welcome to the Big 12 Conference. Well, I hope you got room in your house because I'm going to stay with you for a while. <laughs> I, I love it here, Tony. You caught a nice weekend, buddy. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's start with this. I want to talk about Garrett Green. I watched that Central Florida game just before we got going here. Saw him go down really hard, limp heavy off on that foot. I was thinking, there's no way he comes back. Comes back, finishes strong. Is he just a tough kid, or is he dealing with injury? He is a tough kid. He, uh, I remember when he came back out, I, same with you. I, when I saw it, I went, Ooh. we're done. Yeah. And he comes back out after one snap. He's as tough as a fisherman's boot, buddy. He is a hardcore guy. Now, physically, uh, he's undersized to play the position that he plays, but he is a tough, tough kid, and uh, he obviously has been the, the story to this team as it's finally gotten its offense rolling. Really early in the season, hands. He goes out and plays the full game against Penn State. We come back home. He only plays five snaps against Pitt, sprains the ankle, is out, loses that game, loses the Texas Tech game, and comes back in for for, uh, TCU. Uh, gets us to a win there, and then ever since then, he's starting to get comfortable. Still young. I mean, this is only his 10th start coming up here tonight. Tony, I want to talk about the defense. I, the defense at the beginning of the week was preparing for one quarterback for BYU, someone they actually saw last year when Keaton Slovis was at Pitt. As the week progressed, right. even though nothing is official as of yet, it appears that they're going to be facing a a junior college quarterback making his first start at this level in Jake Retzloff, who is a running quarterback. This is a guy that can move around and make things happen with his feet. How equipped is the West Virginia defense to handle that change from one quarterback to the other? Well, I think the fact that they've seen quarterbacks that work with their feet throughout the course of the season uh, I I think helps them. And we've had several of those guys running around um, throughout the course of the season. So I I don't think it's a massive change. Now, would they have liked uh, to know where the quarterback was going to be, you know, i.e., the way that Keaton Slovis plays the game? Yeah, that makes it easier for defenses. Um, But I think we've seen enough guys that run around out there. But, you know, his arm angle uh, and watching him in your spring, game and watching him in some of his junior college tape uh, he's got unique delivery right he'll throw the ball from different uh, angles so I think that's as much of a challenge as anything else yeah it's interesting just watching the overall health of West Virginia and I know you guys lost a big time linebacker just a couple of weeks ago one of the best that you got and I know you're getting a little more thin defensively how thin do you feel like it is do you feel like you're getting into dangerous territory yeah I do 
I do. Specifically, hands with the uh, with the safety spots. Uh, we went uh, into a couple of games here where you're kind of like, if someone goes down, then you're going to literally be putting people in positions that they're just not accustomed to playing or have played. So, yeah, it's that time of the year. I know you guys obviously have been beset by it, uh, but when you lost Trey Lathan to a, to a leg injury, now we're starting a true freshman yeah. at that weak side linebacker position, and Ben Cutter's going to be a really good player, but you lost a lot of force. One of the keys of this defense is getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, back half of our defense – has been made better because of our force unit. And you'll see us rotate six, eight, nine guys here tonight in that force unit, and it certainly has helped. If you can get pressure on that quarterback, it certainly alleviates a lot of pressure and, the, and some, some weaknesses in that backfield. Tony, last thing. Uh, we know you've got an interview you've got to do in a minute or two, so I want to ask this one last thing. At Big 12 Football Media Day, um, Coach Brown, players, they did not hide their uh, disgust for being picked last in the Big 12 in the preseason. They've clearly come out and shown that they were better than that. How real has that been in terms of being used as motivation throughout the year? A ton. Uh, if you go into the building, uh, you know, everything's fancy nowadays, and there's digital signs and the whole deal, and the number 14 is all over the building, which is what they were picked. So they have used that as their battle cry this year to say that we're not 14th, and fingers crossed, it doesn't look like we're going to end that way. And I think Neil took it personal. I think the easy pick for the folks that vote in the preseason poll, uh, I, I could see their rationale as to why, because West Virginia, you know, uh, didn't have a quarterback that was solidified. They would lost some players to the transfer portal it was easy to do it but I think inside the walls of the building they always felt they had a chance to be a solid football team and I think we're starting to see that last thing for me Tony uh, they forced four turnovers last week against Central Florida they got three picks off John Rice Plumley. have they just been really adept at getting into those zones those look those picks have they been really good at forcing those turnovers just kind of walk us through what the defense does in order to force four turnovers against central florida absolutely and so hans i'm going to give you the same answer that i gave you just a moment ago it all has to do with getting pressure on that quarterback if we give a quarterback the opportunity to throw the ball as we did with donovan smith at houston we're we're really average and that's what we didn't do against Houston. That's why that game wasn't there. They just, for whatever reason, they did not have the physicality. They did not have the emotion that they needed when they played that game. When this team plays juiced up and they have the ability to make a quarterback uncomfortable and to get after them, that opens up everything, makes errant throws. That's what happened last week. They got Plumley shaken up a little bit, and he threw a couple of ducks uh, that were converted into interceptions. Plus, we got the bounce of the year. We had a kid off of his hand, off, his off of his knee, off of his foot. Yeah. I mean, it hit everything except... Yeah. His hands, and yeah. we picked it there. So sometimes we got beat here against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State in our last home game. The turnovers were Oklahoma State 17 to nothing off of our turnovers. You go to Central Florida last week, and you score, outscore them 21 to nothing. You know, man, it's yeah. not a hard game. It's a, it's a game about penalties. It's a game about mistakes, and that's what worries me about you guys here tonight. You don't commit penalties, and you don't turn the ball over, and you're very fortuitous in forcing turnovers. So that's the essence of the game of football. We can sit here every single game and talk about these new level of analytics. It it's still, can you tackle them? Can you block them? Who commits the least penalties and who doesn't turn the ball over? That's football. That's what it is. You never know every Saturday. It's going to be a game. Yeah. It is. It'll be, this will be really fun. Yep. should be. Tony, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, I don't, Hans told me before we went on the air that uh, he hasn't told his wife yet, but he's moving the family out to West Virginia, so you may have a new neighbor. <laughs> I'm coming. Well, we could do I'm a summer coming. home. We'll do a summer home here for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm coming. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it.
Thank you. There we go. That's the voice of the Mountaineers, Tony Caridi. We will take a quick break. And uh, up next, if Jake Retzloff does get the start, can his skill set help offset some of the offense's issues? Hands breaks it down next. In X's and Olsen, you're listening to the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live. Brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Well, is BYU going to have a new quarterback today? It certainly feels that way. Nothing official from BYU. Still waiting for word from Kalani Satake. In fact, Greg Rubel is probably speaking with him right now. So hopefully we can have some official word coming up uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, Hans, going with... The assumption that it is going to be Retzloff making his first start for BYU. Jake is certainly more in the mold of Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall in terms of his mobility and a dual threat guy. We've talked really since the beginning of the season, Hans, about some of the issues that the BYU offense has dealt with at the offensive line in terms of blocking, the the lack of a run game, and a lot of that is, you know, one goes hand in hand with the other. Can, can what Retzloff does in his skill set, can that make up from some of those issues that we've seen from the offense this year? Oh, man. Boy, there's so much to be seen there. So much to be seen. I was able to find some Riverside City College film that I went back. Where did and you find it? That's what I want to know. Jake Retzloff. I, you, you can actually find it on YouTube. There's there's some highlights and some cuts that you can find. And I'm telling you right now, he does a lot of things well. I liked what they did at Riverside, uh, Riverside City. It was a lot of quick stuff. So a lot of quick slants, uh, a lot of quick drops, a lot of quick digs, a lot of quick flips to the flats. He threw a lot of quick passes. The one thing I didn't like is he would get happy feet and he would leave a pocket really fast. So he moves out of the pocket. But he is very good at throwing outside of the pocket. He can throw on the run. His Riverside City College numbers are gaudy. I'm talking some of the craziest stinking numbers you've ever seen or heard of. In a single season, he threw for 4,596 yards. He had two 500-yard-plus games. He had five 400-yard-plus games. He was throwing it all over the field, and nobody could really defend. The other thing that he put up was 515 yards on the ground. Now, this is crazy. I'm going to ask you to do a little math on this show. Oh, no. Oh, no. But he had 44 touchdowns through the air Mm -hmm. and six touchdowns on the ground in a single season, which gives us a grand total of? 52. Is that what it is? <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping that it is. You said forty. You said forty-six and six, right? Forty-four and six. Oh, forty-four and six is fifty. I thought you said forty-six and six. So yeah, fifty. A grand total of fifty touchdowns in a single season. That's what you're looking at with Jake Retzlaff. He is a guy that knows how to get to an end zone. He's a guy that knows how to get a first down. He's done it at Riverside City College. I did ask. Coach Ron McBride, who's worked through the JUCO ranks and understands all this really well, I said, 
how well does that translate? And he says, you don't know how well it translates until it does. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so today on the field, we all have a chance potentially to see what Jake Retzloff is all about. But hey, his look, numbers are genius. Well, look, here's, here's what I'm looking forward to. BYU's had to face all these first-time quarterbacks making their starts, and they come out and they look great. Let's let's let BYU's quarterback do that to somebody else right now. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? It comes out looking like the the reinvention of Steve Young. That would be pretty incredible. Yeah, I want I want somebody else to have to worry about you know you know midweek or whatever having to deal with you know going up against a new quarterback. BYU seems to have to do that all the time. Uh, we'll have our Hoover moment. We'll fi- find a way to have Let me the tell you, Hoover moment. If he plays like Hoover did in the game against BYU, a star is born. Although Hoover yeah. has not done anything like that since, by the way. Well, there are so many different things, though, that you can implement. You know, I was looking at this in one play in particular, and it's a play that I saw both Central Florida and Houston work off of. And we've seen BYU in the jet sweep, you know, three, four times a game. Uh, we saw Parker Kingston get knocked out pretty much and, and fumble a ball off of a jet sweep. There are great usages off the jet sweep, off quarterback keeps that just haven't been available when Keaton Slovis is on the field. So it does give you a nice keep look off of a lot of different plays that you've seen. So I'm going to just tell you this. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that coach neil brown or anybody's listening but the way you work these things is you've got this assortment of plays that we've been studying now as defensive linemen at west virginia or linebackers at west virginia and we're seeing these plays and it's like oh okay so if he shifts here and that and big 99 goes in motion then it's a handoff here and that's what it is and we just attack the a gap i'm gonna cheat down once i see the motion the thing is, is now with a new quarterback, it's there's some type of motion, there's some type of keep, and there's something to keep you honest. So it really can catch you off guard uh, because as a, as a defensive personnel or defensive lineman or linebacker, I do have it seen one way, and it's going to hit you another. So you're going to have to make some adjustments at the half. Hans, one of the guys that you've talked about the last couple of weeks is freshman linebacker Harrison Taggart. I actually had a chance to talk with him this week, and you're going to hear from him coming up next, not just from him, but you're also going to find out what his secret talent is. Oh, yeah. That's after this. Shep Talk with Harrison Taggart is next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tune to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. Here in our BYU radio studios in Provo, Utah, in Morgantown, West Virginia, Hans Olsen in the broadcast booth at Milan Pushkar yep. Stadium. And here, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to call an audible here, all right? So this, this is how this is going to work. We're going to let you hear from Harrison Taggart coming up in the next segment. And that's because uh, Cougar Royalty has entered the uh, the broadcast <laughs> wow. booth. And uh, Hans, do you want to go ahead and introduce who's now on the headset? Well, let's just say that he is, in my opinion, the greatest defensive tackle in Brigham Young <laughs> University history. I got to play alongside of him. In fact, 
I was the beneficiary of playing next to him because they had to double team him oh, every goodness. play. Now here we go. And I was here on we go, the Greg. Single, I was on the single team every <laughs> oh. single play. That's Chris Hoke, obviously longtime BYU Cougar, longtime Pittsburgh Steeler. And why don't you just tell the story about how you well, worked your way up into the? the what we mean, you and I were out front talking, right? Yeah. And I told you I got to go find some ribs. So first of all, I walked around and I found a tailgate and became friends with these people. And I got some spare ribs and I had some wings and some. They had some delicious tacos, right? Yeah, I see. I'm some, out there. Some left on yeah. your shirt. Is it really? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Probably on my lips. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, just really had, really enjoyed talking. The Mountaineer fans are really cool. They are. Really there. nice yeah. people. And so then I said, well, I, Hans wanted me to do come up here about 510. I was a little late. And so I'm walking up, and I run into one of the Steelers owners. One of the owners. Yeah, one of the owners. Of the and he was like, he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I told you I was coming. He must have forgotten. And so he tried to get me in from the front. And they said, no, his tickets don't get me here. So he called a guy, and he said, hey. Hokey needs to get up to the second floor, the press box. And so he goes, just go ask for Ben. So I walked around the side and I said, Ben told me to go to the top. So here I am. You are. All right. And, and I brought, I brought my Super Bowl ring just so just in case. You know, it always gets you in the door. Well, if not, it get it knocks some teeth out and yeah. helps you along your oh, way. Oh, it really does. It, it really does. That big old that big old ring. How are you, brother? And and, and let's talk a little bit about this. You're just what an hour hour and a half away from this. Yeah, stage? about an hour and what hour and twenty minutes. And it was awesome. So everybody was come up from there were about what five ten guys from BYU yeah, we that were together. at the game and. Yep. Uh, Steelers played Thursday night, and so, you know, I still cover it. I do what you guys do for the Steelers, and, yeah. and, uh, and so it was a lot of fun, and uh, it was a great game. So when they came down here, it's an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes, and brought my son, and uh, want to watch some good football. Hopefully we'll put on a, a good show on the, on the field tonight. Now, Hans, uh, Chris got us uh, access to some, to some great tickets on, on Thursday night, and there were a half dozen of us, all the communications guys and video and photo, and, and we had a blast Thursday night at uh, at Acrisure Stadium. He, great he owns that stadium. No, Chris owns that no. stadium. No, here's a great thing. It's great to be part of the Cougar family. It's great to be part of the Steeler family. I mean, it's a blessing, right? I'm gonna go to the game. We we're on the field. Me and my two, my my 15 uh, year old son, my 12 year old daughter, and my son t- tweaked his groin a little bit in his game Friday night. So we got to go into we go into the locker room pregame. They're all getting ready, getting them on the field, and they take us back there. We see the ortho um, the orthopedic surgeon. They do this. this, this scanned and they take him back in the x-ray room and they're looking at him like access right there. My, my kids are going like oh my gosh this access that nobody would get it's it's a beautiful blessing um, in my life to be a part of that Steeler family because anything like that they take care of you and chris well, i don't know what you, we got it oh i, I wanted oh, to ask ahead, chris Jeff. now you're going to run out the alumni flag is that correct today yeah, I told Tom Homo I'd only do it if he ran with me. He said, no, not a chance. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to run it out, and uh, maybe I'll go hand it to him or well, something. Well, here's what well, I want to know. His hands already told you his story and the one thing you need to make sure you have when running out the flag. If he hasn't, he needs to tell you right no, now. No, well, I, I think the story goes that Hans was running out, and he tripped and fell, right? No, my no. pants came down. No way. Yeah, I didn't have my belt on, and pants started to, to roll down. I had to set the flag That's down even worse. in the middle of my run to pull my pants up. That's even worse. Yeah, because my whole family was it was in Boise. They had me run it out in Idaho. So I had all this Weezer family out yeah. there. And uh, there's him. Oh, never, we don't know him. We don't know him. It was a bad time to lose ten pounds. <laughs> you got know? you got a, got a belt right. on though, right, Chris? <laughs> I, I do. Okay. I have a belt on, and uh, my pants probably a little more 
more fit than Hans's were. Hey, I, I got to tell you, Chris, we're going we're gonna to do a couple of things. I don't know if I got to get you in the quorum or to one of the 12 apostles or something to get you back to Salt Lake. Oh. Because I, I know you're out here running all the church business. In, I don't know about Pittsburgh. that. But I, love it. I love Pittsburgh. I'd love to one day get back out to Utah. Um, I, a lot of my family's there. I got three kids now at BYU, right? Yeah, they're all and, playing. Uh, they're yeah. great things. You got, a, you got a gymnast. Yeah, my daughter, just Chloe, today, she competed. They had a little showcase in there with the gymnastics team there at the – um, at the gym there at BYU, and so my wife went out there, so she's there right now to watch, and we were able to watch it on YouTube. It's fun, but it's great, man. I mean, my kids love it there. They get to see each other all the time. It's really a family deal. I try to get out there every four to five weeks, either me or my wife, just to connect with our kids. We don't want to lose that connection, yeah. and so it's just a blessing. You got Nate Hoke that's going to be upcoming. He's yep. a fantastic linebacker, did great things out here in Pittsburgh. We got another Hoke. Yeah. Who's brewing? Link Hoke, who's just a, as big a stud as any of the Hokes that ever we, come We were through. walking into the stadium Thursday and fell in with some Steelers fans, and we said that uh, we know Chris Hoke, and yeah. they said, we go to school with his son. And yeah. oh, really? <laughs> the, the connections are everywhere. <laughs> oh, they're everywhere. Listen, that's a great thing, man. When, and, and the, the thing about Pittsburgh is if you play there and you're a good guy, you just do it right, yeah. and you win a couple Super Bowls, your goal, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful deal. And, and so you go there, and people in Pittsburgh are so wonderful. Um, uh, I gotta, you're a Yinzer now, right? They call them Yinzers, right? You're a Yinzer yeah. because you're a Pittsburgher. I'm adopted there, but now I'm one of them. I got to tell you, Greg, so in an offseason when I was with the Colts, I came down to watch a, yeah, a, a game against the, the Steelers or against the, the Cleveland Browns. And so afterwards, Chris Hoke and Aaron Smith yep. took me out to dinner, and we just went to a random steakhouse, and we're kind of walking in, and they were like, uh, Smith and Hulk. Yeah. It was more for Aaron the, Smith. But they yeah. have this huge table. They, by the time we sat down, they had all the appetizers. Um, they brought in three or four different types of steaks, all wrapped in bacon. And the best part about it, we stood up and walked out. Not a single penny. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, that was because Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith has got inducted uh, two weeks ago into the Steeler Hall of Fame. Hall of, they call oh, Hall of Honor. Awesome. And so he was a big-time player, and he still is. And that's a good thing well, about that. He's a big-time guy, too. Big-time. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and the guy was like a basketball player. He can move. Great person. Um, and uh, it's just great, man. A lot of the guys stuck around Pittsburgh, and, and so it's fun to see them. I mean, Brett Kiesel's in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's just down the road from me. He and, stayed, huh? I was texting him today, yeah. And, uh, I mean, Kiesel jerseys at the stadium? Yes. Oh, he's big time. Were they everywhere? Kiesel's well, a rock. Every, there are more people, way more people in jerseys than not in jerseys yeah. at the game on Thursday. There's no question. And Kiesel's a rock star out there in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, Kiesel, he played, I think I played 11, I think he played 12 or 13 years. The whole beard deal took him to a whole new no- yeah. level. And being a starter, he was a good football player. He was a good guy in the community. And uh, they love that. If, if you're just a good person and you work hard, that's kind of what Pittsburgh embodies is just guys that bring the lunch pail to work every day and get after it and that do try to do good, and they'll, they'll love you forever. Well, Chris, what do you expect tonight, BYU and, and West Virginia? Well, West Virginia, they're supposed to have a down year, but I think they're going to do okay. The thing is, I, what I want to watch tonight is we got a lot of backups playing in this game, and are they going to be able to rise up and, and play it to the standard that BYU needs to win this game? I mean, it's already challenging coming in here with your starters, Greg, right? And you come in here now with a couple backups and key positions, and I think it's going to be a little challenging. But, listen, at the end of the day, I think this is a toss-up game because I don't think West Virginia is super great. But they, they've been, they beat Pitt. I mean, they, beat, uh, they, almost, they played Penn State well, didn't they? Yeah, start, start of the year. Yeah, and so, I, you know, the reality is I'm, I'm in Pittsburgh, and I really try, I follow the NFL, um, Pitt a little bit, and BYU. Other than that, I don't really follow too much. Because the NFL takes up, I mean, like covering the Steelers, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I still, it, that takes up a lot of my time. You're a TV guy. Uh, you know what, though? But here's the thing about TV versus radio. 
TV, you have no, really no margin for error. And, and if, like, if you make a mistake, you don't have time to make that up on the radio. You can, you can backtrack. You can cover things up. You oh, get a little yeah. more time. Uh, and, and I love TV because it's like a, it's a rush, right? When we're sitting there, two-minute warning, we're in that studio. We're sitting there. We got all our papers out. We're trying to grab stats, trying to get everything going. All right, we're going on in 30 seconds. And then that when we're rolling, and uh, it's, it's, it's a rush, man. It's intense. You can't have your finger up your nose. No, you can't. And the thing is, you've you, you, you got to make sure that you're not trying to get too much information or you're just going to freeze up. But did, it's a lot of fun. Did they make you get to 180 pounds? Is that no? I'm too. I'm too far. <laughs> oh, hey, you should, you, you should have seen my bowl. You should, you should have seen my bowl of ice cream last night. And, and, and here's the thing: I love when I go to Provo. I love going to the Creamery. Oh my yeah. My daughter had her competition day. She had really good scores, and, and for her, and, and I was really happy. And I said, "Go to the Creamery." <laughs> that's that's to yeah. me. To, going to Tucano's. And going to the creamy is is, is it? That's, like, it. that's like Chris. Chris maybe two forty, but he's two forty five with the ring on. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I, that's a so I brought the ring just in case, you know. And it, these are my credentials. Yeah, yeah. Right, Steeler. I mean, you have to hold it up one. Did time. you only bring one? Where's the yeah, other? Yeah, well, that's that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them, that's way too much. Where right? in both your Super Bowl? Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, to you have time for a story. I remember when the, the um, Major League Baseball All Star Game was in Pittsburgh, right? And we had just won. Uh, Super Bowl 40, 40, one of those, t- one of those Super Bowls. And um, I wanted to get into the, the players' union party. I had my Super Bowl ring. They let me and my brothers in downtown Pittsburgh. I got into D- uh, Derek Jeter's private party room, and I was talking to Derek Jeter. With the Super Bowl. With the Super Bowl ring. The ring got you. I'm in. telling you, it's, it's, it's your credentials, man. It's your pass. Why, hey, why don't you have the WAC championship ring next to well, it? Well, I, I, I thought about that on the way down. I thought, I <laughs> you know. My son asked me, he goes, why did you bring it? I said, just so people don't forget that I was, I has been, I, was, I, was never, I wasn't, I never was. <laughs> well, dang, man, get that Mount West Conference championship. It's at home. It's, right, it's sitting right with these other ones. Chris, appreciate the time, man. We'll let you get back downstairs and get ready to uh, run out the hey, alumni flag. It was a pleasure it. to hear uh, the stories and, and catch up, man. Thank you. So fun to be with these guys, man. Appreciate it. Good luck to the Cougars tonight. There we go. Awesome. That's Thanks, Chris. BYU great Chris Hoke. We'll take a break. We'll hear from Harrison Taggart on the other side on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. At West Virginia, kickoff coming your way in just a little bit. Harrison Taggart was a big addition to the BYU football program during the offseason. The former Corner Canyon Charger transferred to BYU from Oregon and due to some recent injuries at the linebacker position has been thrust into a more prominent role. I get into that with Harrison for this week's edition of Shep Talk, but I start things off by asking him about a certain detail that's written in his bio. You can learn a lot about somebody by reading their bio. However, sometimes people like to play games and put something in their bio that's not accurate. So I'm really curious if this is accurate. You probably know where I'm going with this. It says that you ride a unicycle. Is this accurate? Where is everybody seeing this in my bio? It's true. It's 100% true. But I don't know what bio this is talking about. So you did not put this in your own bio. I don't know where this is coming from. It's 100% true. but Okay, for, that's another layer that I didn't even anticipate having to discuss that you didn't even put it in there. So somebody secretly wants people to know that you ride a unicycle. Where did this start? 
I had just growing up, I don't know, me and my family were always active, riding bikes around the cul-de-sac. And on one Christmas, I was like, Mom, I want to learn how to ride a unicycle. Um, so I asked Santa for a unicycle, and sure enough, I just kind of self-taught myself how to ride a unicycle. Do you still ride a unicycle? Like, when was the last time you rode one? Um, within the year, I have rode one. One of my friends had one. I'm like, hey, can I try it? And, yeah, I can still ride it. It's riding a bike, you know? Yeah. Just one wheel. Yeah, it's just riding a bike. Hence the eunuch. All right, well, let's talk some actual football. Let's talk about the defense in general. We'll get into some specifics. But in general, how do you think the defense as a whole is performing as we head into the last month of the season? Which is crazy to think of, by the way. You know, that's a hard question coming off of a loss. Um, I think we are playing really, really aggressive, and we're finally getting that mesh that we've needed from a cultural standpoint. You have to know your brother playing next to you on defense. You have to know where he's going to step, when he's going to step. And really, that's all just building a relationship, and I feel like we've got there with the relationship. Um, we need to be more sound on defense, just sound knowing our assignments, sound knowing when to pull the trigger. But relationship-wise and culture-wise, I feel like we are getting there as a defense and as a whole, and we're really aggressive, and I, there is not a single player on defense that wouldn't run through somebody's face for me, which I love. Injuries are unfortunately just a part of athletics in general, and you're seeing more playing time because there's some other guys that got hurt. You have really stepped in and impressed in the reps that you've been able to have. How much more comfortable on the field are you now than earlier in the year? I'm really comfortable on the field. I'm fortunate enough to have guys like Max, AJ, and Ben. Ben's been huge for me, um, just from a developmental and a mental standpoint, knowing confidence. Um, confidence is huge on the field. And having veterans that have been on the field for how long has Max been out there? For five years now? Like, they are really good at just helping you get your mind right. From the start to now, there's just way more confidence, knowing my keys, knowing when to go. Um, it's awesome. You guys have a task this week in facing a team that's really balanced. Uh, they're about 200 yards on the ground, 200 yards through the air, but they're also a time of possession team. They're one of the best time of possession teams in the country. How do you try and disrupt a team that wants to maintain the ball as much as West Virginia does? Watching film, you, you're right. They are very 50-50 on the ground, in the air. Um, they are very poised teams, but just getting out of drives, um, going three and out, going... You know, getting the ball back for some turnovers is huge for teams like these so they don't keep us on the field so we can get our offense on the field to go score. A lot is made of the travel and the two time zones, and I think a lot of times the more people talk about it or get asked about it, it makes it into something more than, than what it is. Is that on your mind at all that you're that you're traveling two time zones and it's the furthest travel that you guys have is that even brought up no it doesn't concern me um we have a lot of trust in our sports scientists and our coaches and our trainers knowing that they're going to do whatever we can to get adjusted so it's not on my mind i'm sure it's on their mind for how they can get us prepped but no having trust in your sports scientists really helps you mentioned you know coming off a loss confidence wise anything shaken or are you guys still real confident heading into this game I don't feel any any anything shaking. Um, everybody's rolling and confident and ready to go. Where does that come from? Does that come from the, the players, you guys, yourselves? Does that come from the coaches down? Where does that confidence and the ability to sort of push the game back and say, all right, it's time to move on? Where does that come from? You know, I would say at the start of the season it was a coach's thing, um, just building culture. But now it's really relayed down to a program. Um, the best programs in the nation are player-led programs. So it's at the point now it's the players that are building the confidence and building the culture. How's the family, by the way? Your, your sister's on the track team. One thing I didn't realize, that your cousin's Haley Morrow on, on the softball. 
baseball team. I, I did not know that. Uh, how, overall, how's uh, how's the family and the extended family here on campus? Um, they're really good. My sister's enjoying track. Haley's tearing it up on the softball field. Thank goodness I don't have to do those track workouts. That does not seem fun. We were but. talking about that. Those things are insane. You said you said there's no way I could do those. Brutal. Like from the workouts they do. To my sister's a hurdler, and I'm sure if I went to full speed jump over her, I'd tear something just like that. But no. Please don't tear anything. Please. I won't be jumping any hurdles then. So, yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up with the final four questions. All right. Your favorite ice cream flavor is what? And when was the last time you had it? Favorite ice cream flavor? Probably. That's a good question. Probably Oreo. Um, haven't had it. I don't usually eat junk food during the season. So before the season. Look at you. I like it. Well, and I will tell you that is by far the most mentioned ice cream flavor is Oreo and the cookies and cream. So you're in, you're in good company. All right. Good. All right. Dog person or cat person? dog person 100 i love it definitive okay all right you're only allowed to subscribe to one streaming service which one are you picking mm, i'm a netflix guy okay yeah okay and then last one what does it mean to you to be a part of byu's first p5 season in the big 12 yeah, the words are really undescribable it's different being at byu and it's even different being in the big 12 byu the culture is different the atmosphere is different it's really humbling and it's just the word to describe it would be different cool harrison uh this is the first time that you and i have met and had a chance to talk you were fantastic great personality thank you so much for taking a few minutes and good luck in morgantown uh, i appreciate it thank you so much was freshman linebacker harrison taggart really uh, hoping for good things from him today and obviously throughout his career with the byu cougars speaking of the cougars the voice of the cougars greg rubel is uh, back in the booth after speaking with head coach Kalani Satake. We will ask him the quarterback question when we return on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar pregame live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU and West Virginia in Morgantown, West Virginia. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. It's time now for our visit with the voice as Greg Rubel joins us from Milan Pushkar Stadium. Greg, I, I don't know if you uh, remember specifically, but that was probably two, three years ago. It seemed like every time we would get to this segment, it, the first question was always, well, who's going to be the starting quarterback today? Because there was about three guys that could start at quarterback uh, during, those, during those, that season. Not that we're at that level today, but I, I want to start out uh, kind of go, throwing it back. Who's going to be the starting quarterback today, Greg? It's going to be uh, Jake Retzloff, and BYU now joins the majority of Big 12 teams who've had to go to a backup at some point. Uh, BYU was the outlier, Shep, and only using one guy to get to this point. So many teams in the Big 12 have had to use a backup or even a third quarterback BYU just went through a string of facing three consecutive backup quarterbacks in TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas. And so BYU is just the latest team in the conference to have to go to somebody else. That somebody else is Jake Retzloff. Uh, Keaton Slovis, uh, Kalani telling me a few moments ago, more of a short-term than a long-term thing. Uh, it's more of a maintenance issue right now. It'll be, he said, week-to-week, uh, day-to-day -week, with uh, Keaton to see when he's ready to go. They just kind of felt that it was the... The prolonged duration of the bumps and bruises and the hit he took, I think, at TCU. Remember that play, Hans, the, where he gets the shoulder torqued back? Um, and so over time, he just wasn't able, to, wasn't able to make the throws that they were used to him making. His, his pass completion percentage is very low uh, this year, uh, Jason. And so they thought, you know what, we got to just shut him down for a bit. 
See if he can get better. In the meantime, turn it over to Jake Retzloff, which really changes the way BYU will look offensively. Certainly you go from a pocket, straight back, drop guy to a straight run around, make a play happen kind of thrower in, uh, in Jake Retzloff. I'm, still, I'm excited to see how different BYU looks with a different guy uh, behind center because Retzloff's style is not Keaton's style at all. He is an every kind of arm angle, get it out, three-quarter, sidearm, submarine, make a play, find a way kind of guy. He's kind of a hoot to watch. You would have loved to have had this be something that sprung up on West Virginia, you know, today. Uh, so they've had a couple of days to, to absorb this and, and make any adjustments. Um, but And I asked Hans this question earlier. With Retzloff's skill set, do you think that his skill set is enough to make up for some of the deficiencies that we've seen or some of the offensive issues on the line and the lack of a running game? Do you think that because of what he brings that that can sort of make up for some of those? Yeah, I I think when it it comes down to... Once the first couple of reads aren't there, I think BYU was kind of hamstrung before with what could happen with the play. And I think nowadays, if those first two aren't there, um, you know, Jake Rutzloff's the kind of guy that can make a guy miss and, and gain some positive yards. You know, BYU's been a, a negative rushing yard team at the quarterback spot this year when they've been used to being a positive rushing yard team from the quarterback spot for the last number of seasons, about 300 yards per year from that spot. And so uh, Jake's the kind of guy that can put you in the positive margin, take you out of the negative. And again, just to, and it shows up on third downs a lot too, I think, Shep. One of the reasons BYU's third down number is where it is, and it's the worst it's been since 1971, is I, I think when, when, when Jaron Hall or, in the, or before him, Zach Wilson, needed to make a play on third down, if it wasn't there with the throw, they could find it with their legs. They're not getting those plays this year. That's one of the reasons the third down number is where it is. Uh, any other revelations on... Uh, no Darius Lassiter uh, tonight, and so you might see JoJo Phillips. That's a, it, without Darius and without Keanu, we should kind of goes without saying Keanu is also not playing. You're looking at uh, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Keelan Marion, Parker Kingston. We go to JoJo Phillips at the five. If they go to a fifth, they may only need to use four guys tonight. I, I you know, but if you see another guy, it'll likely be JoJo. Uh, could be Talmadge Gunther as well. But uh, down a, a wide receiver, L.J. Martin. The good news is is back. He said he'll play. Um, so Aiden Robbins should start at running back, Shep, and audience. But uh, L.J. Martin, he said, has been cleared and good to go. I saw L.J. getting taped up uh, in the portal before he came out, uh, up back up to the booth. So that's good news. Uh, Martin is back, and he said you should see all four with Robbins, Martin, Smith, and Davis at running back. A couple of D linemen are down uh, in Caden Hawes and John Henry Daly. Daly's been getting in and actually making some plays. So uh, they're down a couple guys there. And with those guys out, I say Amoa and Nuu Selesin could be guys that uh, get implemented on the D-line. Everything else looks pretty solid defensively. BYU has four more games in the regular season to get a minimum of one win to get bowl eligible. You obviously want to shatter that and, and get more. But if today's going to be the day, Greg, where BYU picks up its sixth victory, if the Cougars are going to leave Morgantown victorious, What's your top stat or maybe the top position that needs to play well or the situation that you think will determine the outcome if it's positive for BYU? Yeah, I think if BYU can find a way to be right there in the possession time game. Now, possession time doesn't work as a, as a correlative stat in every situation, but I think with this kind of team, meaning West Virginia, 
Uh, possession time is a lot for them. And, and so if BYU were to be in the game and or win the possession time battle, if possible, keep West Virginia below its season average rushing the football, I think those are two pretty big numbers. This is a ball-controlled team that has really, find a way to, really found a way to grind out plays on the ground, get those positive yards. They're rushing right now, West Virginia, that is, for 203.3 yards per game. Uh, and and uh, this is a team that if they're if they're going to possess it 35 minutes and run for 200 250, they're going to like their chances to win today's game. BYU's got to find a way to flip that particular script. Greg, great stuff as always. Thank you so much. Hands will let you go as well, guys. We'll hear both of you coming back in about 30 minutes. Thanks as always. Thank you, Shep. You bet. Thank you. That's Hans Olsen and Greg Rubel. As I mentioned, you'll hear them coming up with more pregame coverage coming up in about a half an hour. Mitchell Jurgens, our sideline reporter, is going to join me on the other side. But first, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The BYU Cougars getting ready to face the West Virginia Mountaineers. I'm joined now by former Cougar receiver and our sideline reporter, who you will hear on the broadcast tonight, the great Mitchell Jurgens. Hi, Mitch. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I understand the weather out there is fantastic. The weather out here has been fantastic today. Uh, good weather, hopefully a good football game. I'm, I'm honestly pretty excited about this one tonight. I've been looking forward to this all day. Yeah, it seems to be the, the, the common theme so far this season is you couldn't ask for a better night, <laughs> uh, a better day for football, and, and this is just fun. It's been a fun season. This one's going to be a good one. i uh, got some exciting things to watch for, so uh, here we go. We're getting ready for it. Yeah, let's start with the, the biggest news, and that's that Jake Retzloff is going to make the start today at quarterback. Two-part question. Number one, what do you expect from him? And you can take that however you want. But then as a receiver, what can BYU's receivers do to help him out today? Yeah, great question there. And and to answer the first part, to be honest, Jason, I don't really know what what to expect and um, and uh, you know what's gonna. But but I think that's gonna play to his advantage, right? Not a lot of us know. Um, and and based on the scouting report, like I expect him to be a bit unpredictable um, with uh, you know throughout this entire game, which could be kind of his best weapon. Is that's what you get with a dual threat quarterback who beyond just dual threat, he's the definition of a playmaker who finds really any way to get it done and move the chains. Uh, you know, for Jake, there's not going to be a set formula for how he's going to get it done. Um, he's going to get creative throughout the game, and that unpredictability can be difficult for defenses to game plan against. So, uh, you know, you, you can't just bring the house on third down and, and expect him to make a perfect throw early, get the ball out early, and and, and that's, you know, that, that's exactly what you're going to expect with a guy like Jake who has the ability to make plays with his legs. You just don't know. Um, and so I think that can play to his advantage. He's also, you know, this is his first FBS start. A lot of us are just kind of chomping at the bit to see what this guy can do. Um, now, to the, to the second part, as far as what can receivers do to help him um, stay alive on routes and keep moving, be ready for scramble drill. Um, but, but more importantly, know exactly where to line up pre-snap and be assignment sound 
on-route combinations. Uh, with a new quarterback making his first start, the game might be going a bit faster for him than others as, as he'll have kind of a combination of nerves, adrenaline pumping through his veins. And, and so if these receivers really want to help him, be mentally you know, dialed in, disciplined, ready to go, because the last thing a quarterback making his first start wants to worry about is, are my guys in the right spot? Are they lined up correctly? Um, do everything you can to support this guy in his first start by being disciplined, being assignment sound, um, and uh, ultimately just go out and make a play, uh, make a big catch, big third down conversion, help the guy out, get his confidence up uh, as he's taken the, the field for the first time this season. You know, one of the things that everybody loves about whether it's college football, the NFL, you know, it's not like the NBA where you have 82 games. You, you only have a certain number of games. In college, you're talking about 12 regular season games. So every game is so big. Tonight's game for BYU feels like a really big game. Obviously, you know, you, you, you want to get to the six wins and get bowl eligible and then, and then, you know, see what you can do past that. But even bigger picture than that, making sure that this team doesn't lose confidence. You know, how much do you think things like that are on the line tonight? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Jason. There's, there's a lot riding on this game, but I don't, uh, I, and this is my opinion, I don't think a loss puts this team's confidence in jeopardy, or at least at least it shouldn't, right? Uh, BYU's done a pretty good job uh, so far not having back-to-back losses this year. But moving forward, that's going to be tough to replicate. This is a tough conference, and I hope this team will recognize that, you know, dropping two games or multiple games in a row, it, it may happen, but at least find a way to compete in every single game. If they come out and get embarrassed tonight, then, then yeah, I think that could potentially have an impact on morale of this team. But, but just a loss shouldn't have that effect as long as they do compete. Um, but, you know, back to your point about a lot riding on this game. Yes, the Cougars have to find a way to, uh, to, to win if they want to guarantee a bowl game on the schedule. As I look at the next three games, it's going to be after, after West Virginia. Those are extremely difficult. Uh, Oklahoma obviously is going to be tough. Oklahoma State in Stillwater, in my opinion, I'd argue that may be the toughest game on the schedule with how well the Cowboys are playing right now, and that's in Stillwater. Uh, and by then, the way, they're you know, giving even, Oklahoma all they can handle right now. They had a yeah, lead. The, Oklahoma leads 21-17 in the third quarter, but, but Oklahoma State's giving the Sooners everything they can handle. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really tough football team. And then to play in Stillwater, I mean, that's going to be tough. And then you even go to the next game. Yes, it's against Iowa State, um, who it's going to be at Lavelle at 815. That's going to be an advantage for BYU, as it has proven to be um, kind of the night advantage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. However, I, I want to say, I was looking at the lines, Iowa State's a three-point favorite against ranked Kansas today. I mean, this is a very good football team. So, I, I mean, you look at the schedule, and this is the most winnable game. So, absolutely, so much is riding, the, the postseason play for BYU is riding so much on tonight. And they can go out and make a difference, um, which, uh, which, would be, which would be really good to secure it, know that you have the six wins, and then potentially go make something additional happen with the rest three games, the other three games. We were talking about this earlier in the show, both Hans and I, and then when Greg joined us, you know, he he gave his thoughts on it as well. Um, West Virginia plays the possession game brilliantly, and BYU more times than not has been a quick strike offense. Now, obviously, that was with a a different quarterback. Mm. So is this a night where the rushing attack has to be productive to win? And now you're adding the layer where you have a quarterback that can add to that. But knowing that you have Aiden Robbins, who we saw last week, looked really good. And, and you have, um, you know, L.J. Martin, who's back. So you have Aiden and you have yeah. L.J. You have, you have some guys there 
now with a, a quarterback that can also do damage with his legs. Is this the night that you've got to get something out of the ground game? Yeah, yeah, Jason, it, it would be ideal, um, and, and it just might happen. Again, as you mentioned, L.J. Martin's back. You, you add the wrinkle with Jake Retzlaff being able to utilize his legs. Um, I, I think I think it can happen. Um, does it have to happen for this team to win? Um, I'm going to say no on that because BYU has proven so far this year to, to get it done in five games without having it. Um, and, and so I don't think it's the set formula um, for this BYU team to, uh, to come away with a win. And my mind goes to kind of the most important category or, or stat that we're going to follow if BYU is going to give themselves a chance is third down conversions. Um, you go back to the last three weeks, TCU 2 for 14. Um, against Texas Tech, 4 for 14. And then against Texas, 3 for 14. That's 21% conversion over the last three games. That's not going to get it done. Now, I absolutely think the rush game can help put them in more manageable third, um, you know, third and shorts, third and mediums, if they can move the ball on first and second, get some positive yardage so they don't have to solely rely on uh, on Jake's arm. Um, however, um, I don't think it's it's absolutely necessary to win the game it's going to help um, and it would certainly be, be a big lift for jake so it's not all on his shoulders um, but uh yeah my the biggest thing that i'm watching is can they convert can they continue to move the chains however they do it whether that's on the ground or through the air i don't care i just want to see it happen because that's going to be what's going to help BYU most tonight look we're, we're spending so much time talking about retzloff's legs and just assuming that that he's just you know it's it's the running his running ability that's going to to carry BYU. Watch him come out and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, which, by the way, I will take. I'm with you. I don't care how it happens. I just want the end yeah. result. But we're spending so much time talking about his his running ability. We're forgetting he's also a pretty good passer. Yeah. Well, and it can – the thing is, his running ability, it can open up so much. Um, if they ha- if the defense has to key in on it, whether it's a quarterback spy, um, just you, you, you can't completely – um, you know, bring the house and not worry if he gets out where, you know, you have to worry about him making or doing some damage with his legs. Um, it can it, it can potentially open up some passing lanes. And, and I mean, this is there's so much more that the defense has to account for. And so it's just I'm just excited to see how this game plays out and what Jake can do uh, with his arm, with his legs. Doesn't matter. But it, it sounds it seems like a guy that's just going to find a way to get it done. And I love that. Look, the Cougars are not the only team in this matchup that's lost two out of their last three. The Mountaineers have done the exact same thing. So it's not like they're playing perfectly either. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the defense, and I was listening to an interview with one of the guys that covers, and, and he was saying that you know this defense has steadily regressed, and you started to see um, their, their scoring defense, that those numbers have gone up, and teams have been able to put points on the board and so I, I think that there's, there will be opportunities for BYU to score some points today. Where do you think BYU has the edge and can take advantage in a matchup like today? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's pretty pretty glaring what you, what you mentioned, right? Offenses are able to score on that defense. Um, I, I'm not going to put that as the advantage because we just don't know what we don't know yet with Jake. Um, wh- what I'm going to say, though, is it might seem like a stretch, but I, I think BYU has an edge to potentially stop 
um, or limit West Virginia's rush attack. Um, I, I mean, yes, they, they this is a, a very good ground game team. They average over 200 yards of rushing um, on the ground so far this season. But if we look historically this season, BYU has stepped up in, uh, you know, big in some previous games to limit elite Big 12 running backs from doing what they typically do or average each game. I think Hans talked about this last week. You know, Taj Brooks from Texas Tech, Jonathan Brooks from Texas, Imani Bailey from TCU. These were backs that when when they played BYU, they didn't have the average numbers that they typically do. And so BYU has done a good job at zeroing in on the run, stopping it. And I think if BYU does that, they could potentially force West Virginia to play um, a, a game maybe that they're not used to offensively, and, and that could prove to be an edge for BYU if uh, if they can limit and, and, and prevent um, that ground game that West Virginia is so used to and comfortable with so far this season. All right, Mitch, thanks for the insight as always. Really good stuff. Always uh, enjoy our conversations. We'll let you go and uh, get ready for the broadcast. Thanks, man. They appreciate it, Jason. Thanks. There we go. That's Mitchell Jerkins. You'll hear him on the broadcast roaming the sidelines in Morgantown. All right, coming up, Mountaineers head coach Neil Brown discusses facing the Cougars and if he pushed for a day game. Oh, yeah, that's next on Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live. Brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The 5-3 Cougars on the East Coast. The furthest travel that BYU will make this year in Morgantown, West Virginia, facing the Mountaineers tonight. Earlier this week, the head coach of West Virginia, Neil Brown, addressed the media and gave his overall thoughts on what he sees from this BYU team. BYU, very proud program. You know, our fans really need to show up and, and be loud. We need their support here. BYU is a national brand. They travel well wherever they go. I think this is their only uh, real East Coast game of the year, so sure there will be a lot of their fans here. But very disciplined group, physical, special teams. They're specialists, are, are, are extremely talented. Offensively, uh, they've got a first-round pick in their left tackle. They've got two wideouts that I see repeatedly on the top ten plays on Sports Center. so they're doing something right there. Um, but they're really good players, and, and they're an issue for us. They're going to be an issue for us. Uh, defensively, very good front. They're long. Uh, that's the thing that sticks out to you is they're really, really long. Uh, they've got a couple good cover guys, and, the, and they're one of the best teams in the country in takeaways. And so really a formidable opponent, uh, somebody I've, I've enjoyed getting to know, Coach Sataki, uh, good guy, does a great job there. You know you know what you're going to get, and we're going to have to play our best because they're not going to be a group that beats themselves. BYU and West Virginia have only played each other once before, but it was at the home of the Washington Commanders. It was back in uh, 2016, and Coach Brown was asked about the difficulties of playing a team he's never faced before. So it's always more challenging uh, when you play somebody that you haven't played. You know, and I think I spoke of this maybe when we were playing, it may have been even last week. We were in a league where you were playing the same teams every year, and there wasn't just a ton of coaching turnover within the league. So you could go back and, and look at, you know, how they defend you, how did you defend them. You go back and look at your notes. Well, that's not the case. 
for playing BYU, and so it's different. Honestly, when I turned on the film yesterday, they were kind of what I expected them to be, you know, from watching them on TV. I've watched a lot of their offense over the last couple of years because I think they've been creative. They've, they've had some really good quarterbacks there, and they've been creative, and they've kind of been different as far as sometimes they, you know, with Slovis, they're doing more drop back. You know, when Zach Wilson was there, you know, they were doing a lot of motions and a lot of quarterback run stuff. The kid last year, who was really good as well, they kind of continued what they were doing with Wilson. I've, I've watched them from afar offensively, but first time that I've really just sit down yesterday and, and watched them as somebody we're going to play, and, and they were who I thought they were. They're a group that's really physical on both sides of the ball. They get lined up. They don't get silly penalties. They play really smart football. It's going to be a challenge. You know, I told our team today when we turned the page to BYU, I said, everything that we that we preach about wanting to be, you know, they prove that they are. And so it's going to be it's going to be a really, really intriguing game for me to see kind of where we're at. You know, and it's interesting that he brought that up. Now, obviously, those comments were made earlier in the week before we found out that Jake Rutzloff was going to be the starting quarterback today. But, you know, it was interesting that he said, you know, watching how creative BYU has been and how the, the offense evolved and changed to, to more of a drop back with Keaton Slovis. But, you know, he had watched them quite a bit. And what they did with Zach Wilson and now Jaron Hall, who, by the way, both now obviously starting in the National Football League. Jaron Hall will get his first start coming up tomorrow at Atlanta, which I know Cougar fans are thrilled to see him get his start today. Uh, good luck to, uh, to both. Uh, but it, it's, you would assume, and again, we're going on this assumption that you know, Jake Retzloff, all he's going to do is run. Um, watch him come out and, and throw the ball. I would not be surprised if the first two or three plays that we see from Jake Retzloff are passes just because everyone's going to expect him to run the ball and you want to kind of catch the the opposition by surprise. But you probably will see, just guessing here, probably more of what we did see with Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall when they were here and more of that mobility because you have someone that is that, that fits his skill set. So just thought that was interesting that he brought that up and then that point that he made changed uh, throughout the week with the, with the news that Retzloff was going to be the starting quarterback today. All right, last one from Coach Brown. Whether you want to believe in the day versus night games, and there are a lot of people who are vocal on both sides of this, and BYU's wins and and their losses, their record based on playing in each, it's not something that just BYU fans and media have noticed. Listen to this. Would you suggest to play at noon? For them? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think the I think the think the league took care of them, which I understand. Yeah, that's one thing is uh, being the easternmost team. I definitely understand some of the travel. So hey, we're, we'll play the night game. Our fans will be excited. So yeah, when the opposing coach is being asked if he asked to play the game in the day, now there's certainly you know beyond the the day versus night. You're play if you play a noon game, that's ten o'clock a.m. Mountain time. That, that's difficult when you travel to, uh, to time zones. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. We, we talk a lot about it uh, in, the, in the BYU circles, the day versus night record, but it was something that Coach Brown was asked about. And they said, yeah, you know what, we'll, uh, we'll play the night game. So, uh, hey, whether you believe in it or not, it's a night game. So let's hope for the best, okay? All right, we'll, we come back. We'll check in on some other games in the Big 12 Conference, including a, a pretty good one in Stillwater, Bedlam between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. We'll get to that, plus uh, some action earlier in the day. Just a crazy finish in Austin between Texas and K-State. We'll get to all of it when we return as we get you ready for the Cougars and the Mountaineers on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. BYU and West Virginia coming your way in about uh, about 30 minutes or so. The game uh, time, the kick has slid a few minutes, so it's probably going to be closer to about 5.15 kickoff. Let's update you on some action going on right now. A couple of top 25 teams that just so happen to be in the Big 12. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. The Cowboys led this game earlier. Right now it is 21-17 Sooners with 12-15 to go. In the fourth quarter, uh, Oklahoma State is inside their own 10, so they've got about 90 yards to go uh, for, a, for a touchdown. But uh, Oklahoma State, after a very slow start, has really come on strong at the end and uh, right now handing, or excuse me, giving Oklahoma all they can handle, the number nine team in the country. Again, 21-17 Sooners, just under 12 minutes to go. Houston has a touchdown lead at Baylor with five minutes remaining in that game. It is 17-10 in favor of the Cougars in red. UCF and Cincinnati in a tight one with six and a half minutes to go. It is 21-20 in favor of the Knights. Earlier today, a crazy game between Texas and K-State. It, looks like the, it looked like the Longhorns were going to run away with this, and for a while they were. K-State roars back. Ultimately, they were able to, uh, to get a game-tying touchdown. The point after would have given the Wildcats a lead. Now, there was still, I think, 12 minutes remaining, but they could have at least gone on top. They botched the extra point, so the game stayed tied. They go to overtime. Texas led by three. K-State decided they were going to go for the touchdown and the win. They did not get it, and Texas gets the win in overtime, 33-30. to The only other game that has not tipped off in the Big 12 besides BYU and West Virginia is K, excuse me, almost said K-State, Kansas at Iowa State. That game also will get underway in about a half an hour. Iowa State, who will be in Provo next Saturday, is a three-point favorite over the ranked Jayhawks. All right, that's going to do it. Coming up on the other side, it's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. This is the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening, Cougar football fans, and for the first time in BYU football history, we welcome you inside Milan Pushkar Stadium in Morgantown, West Virginia, as tonight the Cougars face the Mountaineers in a key Big 12 conference clash with both teams one win away from bowl eligibility. One of these two teams will punch its postseason ticket a few hours from now. My name is Greg Grubel. I'll have your play-by-play call this evening. With me in our broadcast booth is the big man himself, former BYU and NFL lineman Hans Olsen, and Hans, the calendar is turned to November. The stretch run has begun. BYU's needing one win in its final four games to qualify for a bowl game in its first season as a power conference program. So that's on the line for the Cougars, along with one critical personnel change. By necessity, 
there will be a change at quarterback for BYU tonight. This has turned an even more intriguing game than we expected it to be, maybe even a week ago, with Jake Rutzloff getting start number one in place of Keaton Slovis. Well, it changes so much, Greg, so much. You know, I'll just take you over to the defensive side of the ball, having played that defensive side for so many years. When you find out that it's going to be a backup quarterback, you instantly, in your mind, you can't help but do this, you instantly think, oh, that's our advantage. It's almost like a letdown. The other thing you do is, oh, I'm going to just get after it. Maybe I don't do my job as particular. Maybe I'm outside of my job a little bit. And it changes your mindset defensively. So West Virginia's got to deal with that. The other thing it does is it, it will give BYU so many different options. So there's so many different rushing options and movement based off of what they already did. So as a defender, if I'm watching film of BYU's offense, I'm seeing that jet sweep. It's always a give. I'm seeing that handoff to whether it's Robbins or it's Martin. I'm seeing that handoff, and it's always a give. There's never a keep, and there's never a keep option. All of a sudden, that wrinkle shows up, and now as a defender, I'm like, what's this? What, what is this? So it changes so many things. It could be really good, and then there could be some big mistakes that could be bad. But to your point, it was necessary, and it's going to be big show tonight. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU head coach Kalani Zitake on that change and more as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. My pregame conversation with Kalani right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Once again, here's Greg Rubel. BYU has traveled from the Wasatch Mountains to the Mountain State, West Virginia. It's the Cougars and Mountaineers for the second time all-time. First meeting came in Kalani Sitake's first season. As BYU head coach back in 2016, West Virginia won a wild one, 35-32. It was a game played at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Taysom Hill led BYU in passing. Jamal Williams led BYU in rushing. Fred Warner led BYU in tackles, and our own Mitchell Jurgens caught a touchdown pass that day. Time now for my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. It's brought to you by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. And tonight, Coach Sitake tells us how JUCO transfer Jake Retzloff ended up getting his first career start at quarterback tonight here in West Virginia. Keaton is only goal, emergency purposes only, so he we plan on him signaling um, Jake Retzloff will get the start followed by Kate Finnegan and, and Nick Billups afterwards. What was the decision on on Keaton and when and why was it made? Well Keaton has been battling uh, he's been banged up all year long and, and uh, I don't know if he I think the Texas game kind of made it a little worse and uh, he was not able to make the plays that we needed him to make and I think that probably had a little bit to do with his production throughout the season um, but he hasn't been the same so we're hoping to rest him and get him healthy, and then hopefully it'll be a week-to-week, uh, day-by-day thing. Um, right now, Jake Retzloff's given the opportunity, and uh, it's, it's, his, it's his time to shine. So short-term more than long-term for Keaton at this point? Yeah, we're hoping. We're hoping that it'll be just a short-term thing, but, um, you know, for, for tonight, it'll be only emergency only. What do you get uh, with the change in quarterback relative to a change in style of quarterback? Well, I think Jake's just, just, I think the unknown, nobody knows about him. It's the same thing that when we played Hoover at CCU, just nobody knows really what they can do. But I think in terms of what our offense is, uh, what we need to do, we need to get points on the board. I think uh, 
A-Rod and, and the staff have done a great job getting him rep, ready and prepped for this weekend. And also, we were trying to keep his red shirt intact, and so now we can do that with him playing four games in the bowl game. He'll still be able to red shirt and be a junior again next year. Does it look a lot like the package A-Rod had been calling with mobile quarterbacks like Jared Hall recently, for example, with, with Jake? Well, I think we can do we can do a lot of things. I mean, not not to give away the play the the you know the plan, but yeah, I think we can do a, a lot of what we've been good at and putting points on the board and establishing a run game. I think that's important to do, but at the same time, um, our quarterbacks have to make the throws, and I think Jake can do that. Okay. How do you feel about the week? You, you had a week to work with the new plan. How did it look to you by the end of the week? Yeah, the, the fortunate part is Jake has been able to get the backup reps uh, throughout the season. Uh, but now he's been moved into the, the full-time reps, and I think we felt like it was the best time to rest Keaton, uh, knowing that he, he needs that rest, and then uh, focus on, on uh, Jake getting the valuable reps of as a starter and then get, getting those, uh, those other reps for Kate Finnegan. So I think uh, from what I saw this week, I, I like what I saw. I think the guys are excited. They're energized by it. Um, then maybe he'll be that guy that gives us a spark a little bit for our offense. And how's L.J. Martin coming along? He had to miss last week. Yeah, L.J.'s practiced last week and this week, and he's cleared to go for us. And, and uh, so you'll see him in the lineup along with Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith and Miles Davis as well. Uh, Darius Lassiter's status? Darius will not be playing tonight. Um, we will you know, we'll get an opportunity to get uh, Keelan Chase, Parker, Cody, those guys going. And then, uh, you know, we have a lot of receivers I think contribute and might see some, some young ones like JoJo play tonight. Okay, this West Virginia team uh, picked to finish last in the preseason, a rallying cry early in the year. They're now into it deep enough that they're kind of who they are, who they are. Uh, your thoughts on the Mountaineers? Yeah, first of all, it's a beautiful area, and, and the drive here was amazing. So it, it's great to be here. It's great to see our fans that are here. Um, I, I think uh, West Virginia is a lot like us. They have a lot to prove, play with a chip on, our, on their shoulder. So a lot, a lot of respect for Neil and what he does with that team and the program and their fans here. We've been talking about it all week, you know, and so I'm excited just for our guys to go through the experience. Um, it's an exciting time. I think there's a lot of guys that are banged up. That's every team in the country right now is going through that. So uh, it's a great opportunity for some young guys, some guys that haven't had, had a lot of reps get their opportunities now, and hopefully they can shine. Biggest challenge for you guys in stopping West Virginia tonight? Yeah, I think we need to handle the run game. That, that's, that's a thing that they hang their hat on. So we've got to find a way to, to, to take that away. Uh, I know Jay and the guys will be ready for it. And then on offensively, sustained drives. I think uh, getting first downs and getting third and manageable is what I'm going to be looking at. That means winning the first and second down um, uh, as we go through our call. So I, I look forward to our guys making plays. But just all three phases, I think it would be assignment sound. Um, but I feel really good about the, the way the preparation has been. I feel good about the, the demeanor and the, the mental part of our team and uh, looking forward to just seeing them pre prepare and play tonight with regards to preparation you got out here thursday how the last couple of days days gone for you out here yeah I, I think that that was the right move for us you know and and, and um, looking at what we did today i thought it was really useful for today's uh, schedule and then yesterday as well uh, i think the guys have uh, we're, we're already acclimated to east coast time so here we go i mean this is a good timing for us and i think when we went through our schedule it felt a lot like our home schedule for the night games and so here we go whether you're West Virginia, picked to finish last, or a BYU team playing in its first year in the Big 12, tonight's winner will be bowl eligible. It's an important thing. A lot to play for, yeah, and, and something that we can accomplish and uh, know that you can earn that, that opportunity to play one more time with the guys. And so we want to keep extend, we want to extend the season, and hopefully we can get that done tonight. Kalani, thank you for the preview. We'll talk to you post game. Go Cougs. Let's go. 
That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, and this has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. Time now for tonight's Ford Keys to the Game. They're presented by your local Ford stores. BYU football built Ford proud. Hans Olsen has his keys to tonight's game. Well, first of all, I love this matchup, and I'm excited for this game. I can't tell you how excited I am. So, number one, this isn't Air Force's offense. Obviously, it isn't. But it's got components of it. So your defense has to be really, really strict in all areas. they got to be on their assignments. They can't get outside themselves. They must stay on their assigned offensive weapon. This option-slash-RPO offense is going to take your eye off the prize, so you got to stay locked in. Greg, every one of these guys, defensively, has something they're assigned to do. You have to do it. Because if you see it in Green's hands and you think it's going to be a give, the next thing you know it's in C.J. Donaldson's hands or it's in Jalen Anderson's hands, and it's moving on the outside and you've already given it up. We'll call it ARK, A-R-K, Assignments, Reads, Keys. That's it. You've got to have those three things. It's absolutely paramount tonight. And please, please, off the edge, first of all, hold a strong edge, but make sure you separate because these guys will hold you. They will flat out hold you. I've seen multiple holds that just weren't called for one reason or the other. I don't know. And we're now hearing the Big 12 officials will, quote-unquote, let you play. They let you play, and they do it defensively as well. I mean, they really do let you get going. Number two, I believe BYU can run against this defensive front. West Virginia goes to that traditional 3-3-5 look on their first downs. Look for that and run into it. They have not held an opponent, a D1 opponent, Uh, an FBS opponent under 130 yards. They're giving up 150 yards. They've given up a couple of 200-yard games. So I believe that you can run against this defense, especially with this new wrinkle at quarterback. Number three, Greg, this is a big one, and it meant the world to that game last week against Texas. You have to win all special teams. This West Virginia team, is not like that Texas team last week in the world of special teams. Remember going into that game, I said Texas has crazy special teams. And then BYU ended up starting on their 15 multiple times and gave up a punt return for a touchdown. You can't do that against West Virginia. I think BYU special teams are better than West Virginia's special teams. I think they're better coached. I think they've got more wrinkles. So make sure that you're starting at least on the 25. No more 17-yard starts. No more punt returns for touchdowns. You're not doing those types of things. You're going to hit all of your extra points. You're going to kick your field goals, and you're going to win the special teams. And that's going to give you the leg up to win this game. BYU was minus 22 yards. In average starting field position last week, that's, it's tough to win that way. Can't do that. And Texas is really good. I said it. They're good in their covers. They were really strict in their special teams. They've got great athletes. So, of course, their special teams are going to be great. West Virginia is not Texas in that area. Coming up, it is the Cougar kickoff show live from Morgantown, West Virginia, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. We're getting closer to kickoff of BYU football. You're tuned to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Ken Garf, we hear you. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
Good evening again, Cougar Nation. We're coming to you live from Milan Pushkar Stadium in Morgantown, West Virginia. This 43-year-old, 60,000-seat venue hosting BYU and WVU for some Saturday night football. It's cool. It's crisp as the country roads have led the Cougars into the heart of Appalachia tonight. And we are thrilled to have you joining us for the call as BYU seeks to continue its sundown dominance. The Cougs have won 20 of their last 21 night games, and the sun has set in Morgantown. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show, presented by Ken Garf. Whatever your vehicle needs are, go to KenGarf.com. Ken Garf, we hear you. Greg Grubel and Hans Olsen coming to you from our All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens is on the sidelines and in the Zions Bank end zone. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. Our scoreboard host is Jason Shepard. Booth engineers are Scott Sandstrom and Doug Olson. Our spotter is Matt Jarvis. Coordinating producer, Terry South. Control board operators, James Finlayson and Derek Duncan. Duncan. Our studio editor is Kaylee Radford, and today's stats interns are John Livingstone and Juice Woodson. You are joining us on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our satellite flagship is BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Our Salt Lake City over-the-air flagship, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We are also on the BYU Radio app, the KSL News Radio app, as well as BYURadio.org and our network affiliates in Utah and Idaho. Be sure to subscribe to the BYU Football Podcast for broadcast archives and highlights. You can also get those on the BYU Radio app and at BYURadio.org. Simply search sports or shows and then find BYU Football. Well, BYU's offense has struggled like it rarely has before. The Cougars have scored enough to win five of eight games, but BYU's allowed more points than it has scored on the season. And BYU's failed to gain 300 yards of offense in six of seven FBS games dating back to 1972. This is the first season in which BYU's not had at least one 400-yard game through its first eight games. The run game languishes around the bottom of the pack nationally. Lead running back L.J. Martin got banged up, missed last week. He's back tonight. Keaton Slovis was the lowest-rated passer in the Big 12 at the time of his injury and absence tonight. BYU has been, again, good enough in turnover margin and red zone efficiency to mitigate some of the damage. But the fact is the offense has been kind of the, the weak link this season with some really good defensive improvements from last year to this. Now, it wasn't all on the quarterback, certainly not. But does Slovis's pass efficiency combined with the lack of a quarterback run game, combined with the lack of a traditional run game, has been a challenge. And now BYU turns to Jake Retzloff, who's very mobile and gives Aaron Roderick a more familiar and comfortable play package, let's say. Hence, by injury to Slovis or otherwise, BYU was going to play Jake Retzloff down the stretch. Uh, with the redshirt rule, meaning he could play the final four games, he was going to play one way or the other. Something had to be done to shake something up, and it just so happens that they're going to give uh, Keaton some true rest time and turn it over to Jake for a while, whether it's one game, two, three, or four, any combination thereof. We're going to see, ideally, a Cougar offense that's harder to defend because of the kind of quarterback Jake Retzloff is. Well, I think you said it well, Greg. Something had to change. Something had to shift. Aaron Roderick is too good of an offensive coordinator to have numbers this abysmal. He knows it. Everybody knows it. He is too good of an offensive coordinator. He's got two quarterbacks that are going to be starting in the NFL tomorrow. This guy knows how to put offenses on the field. He knows what good quarterback play looks like. And as you said, he had to shake it up. It was flatlining. 
it was not going anywhere. You had every chance. The defense gave you gave you every chance to beat Texas last week, and that offense couldn't get going. So you make the change. Well, the film with Retzloff is interesting. He is very good at the quick throws. He hits quick slants really well, really accurate. He's really good at quick seams. He hits the digs. He'll hit this. He'll hit a lot of the drags. He hits those those throws really quick. When the first target disappears, his feet get really happy, and he starts moving around, and he'll shift and get out of the pocket. The good news is he throws well out of the pocket. So you add those wrinkles into what you can do with him in the option game, in the a traditional RPO that you ran more with Zach Wilson. Actually, no, probably more the Jaron Hall RPO than the Zach Wilson RPO. What you will not get with Jake tonight is a patient quarterback. You're not going to get a guy that takes it, that's casual, that shows signs of relaxation. This guy is high energy. He's raised by a coach. He's a tough-nosed kid. Hair's on fire a little bit. Hair's on fire, and he is going to come out and either win this game and have great plays or make big mistakes. And you just hope that he's got that maturity to come out and be the big play kid and be able to draw this BYU team to a win. Either way, it's going to be fun to see. Oh, man what he brings to BYU tonight. I'll take this back. You know, you and I were sitting at a at a scrimmage just all the way back, early, early camp, and you bumped me with your elbow and you said, hey, hey, check out that number two. Watch this kid. And I didn't know anything about him out of Riverside City College, and you said, watch him. Watch the way he throws. Watch his throwing motion. Watch his movements. Watch his mannerisms. Watch how he leads the huddle. And I did, and, and you saw it early, and we both know it. He's got signs that he could be great. But we just don't know what happens on an FBS field. Yeah. Let's take a look now at the this week's E-Assist player to watch for BYU. It's brought to you by the E-Assist Dental Health Education Foundation, reminding you that dental cleanings are essential for your health. Hands, who's your BYU player to watch tonight here in Morgantown? Well, surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise. It's going to be the top-rated junior college quarterback in the country, Jake Retzloff. Now, there's a couple things here. I am shocked by his numbers. I actually had to look this up. I'm like, this has got to be three-year totals. No, this is a single-year total. Jake Retzloff threw for 4,596 yards with Riverside City College. He also ran for 515 yards and added six touchdowns. We're talking about a 5,000-yard total offense season. 5,000-yard total offense season. And I had Jason Shepard do the math on this. 44 passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns. He said it was 52. I differ. I think it's 50. We'll, we'll, we'll get a calculator out. We'll figure this out. But we're talking about a 50-touchdown season. It's amazing what Jake Retzloff did in his time with Riverside City College. And uh, about, uh, uh, you know, he's a, he's a five to seven yard per carry type guy, too. He's a positive rush yardage guy. You already mentioned the total rush numbers, but negative yardage plays are rare uh, for Jake Retzloff. We'll have more of the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show coming up after this break. But first, a reminder to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you Fly sweep coverage from Morgantown, West Virginia continues after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
Coming up at a quarter past the hour, BYU 5 and 3 overall, 2 and 3 in the Big 12, visiting 5 and 3 West Virginia Mountaineers 3 and 2 in Big 12 play. And Neil Brown's team was picked to finish last in this 14 team conference. The Mountaineers are now only one win away from securing a postseason berth. BYU is more or less where the folks predicted uh, BYU would be in the conference race. Uh, the Cougs are in an eighth-place logjam just ahead of the cellar-dwelling trio of newcomers Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. UCF, by the way, has just beaten Cincinnati 28-26, so UCF gets its first-ever Big 12 win over one of the Big 12 newcomers as Cincinnati falls to 0-6 in league, 2-7 overall. They cannot get bowl eligible now, and they've lost seven in a row in Scott Satterfield's first season there in Cincinnati. So the Bearcats will miss the postseason, and they're 0-6 in league. UCF goes to 1-5, and and now 4-5 and overall as the Knights get their first Big 12 victory. Well, since opening the season at 3-0, BYU has alternated losses and wins over the ensuing five games. According to the pattern, BYU's due for a win tonight. Should BYU not pull this one out, the Cougs would then have their first back-to-back setbacks of the season, increasing the pressure to find that next win to lock down a bowl bid. And BYU's likely going to be an underdog the rest of the way tonight and next week. Home to Iowa State represent the best chances to get bowl eligible. But there are no easy paths to a sixth victory in the Big 12 hands. BYU will really have to bring it down the Big 12 stretch. The team's medal will be tested here in the next four weeks. Why are you trying to give me the chills, man? (laughs) Why are you trying to get me all pumped up? I'm already dangerous enough. I'm going to throw elbows. We're going to get in this booth and go crazy. I want to go fight the fight for him. You know, Chris Hoke was up here. Uh, My my old teammate Carlos Nuno, one of the best tight ends to ever play at BYU. Uh, I know that he's around. I know that these guys are all here. They're watching this. I want to get with my brothers and go play this game. We'll go fight this fight. Like, this is the kind of energy and excitement this team has to go out there and just play with fierce because this is your best chance. Out of the next four games, this is your best chance. Now, Iowa State's going to be kicking off against Kansas here in a little bit, so we get to see Iowa State. Oklahoma State is currently beating Oklahoma the last time you showed me. 27-24, Cowboys lead the Sooners with 2.41 to go. So that one is not going to be easy, and of course Oklahoma itself is going to be very difficult. So this is your best chance to get bowl eligible out of the next four games. So you're right, Greg. You got to show up in this one and you got to give it everything you've got. If you don't have everything you've got in this one, you're dead inside. This is pure excitement and energy in this game. It is time now for today's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature. At Hyatt Place Provo, your convenience and comfort will always be our highest priority. And it's a night game. So, yes, it's time once again to remind everyone of just how comfortable BYU is playing at night. The Cougs are 20-1 and in their last 21 nighttime games. Looking ahead to next week against Iowa State, BYU 17-1 in its last 18 home night games. And next week's game will kick at 8.15 Mountain Time. Conversely, BYU is 2-10 in its last 12 day games. And uh, to be fair, most of BYU's toughest games over the last few seasons have been the Saturday matinees. Fact remains, though, that BYU has been a much tougher team to beat after sundown somehow. It's bizarre, and I'll tell you, Greg, one of my favorite movies all time. In fact, I think it's one of the best Hollywood has ever put out is Teen Wolf. Michael J. Fox, the basketball-playing wolf. A great Canadian. A great Canadian, indeed. And, And for some reason... 
the werewolf comes out in these guys when the sun goes down. And you said it earlier. You said the sun's going down, and I almost howled. I almost went, woo! Because for one reason or the other, this team plays like a bunch of hungry wolves when that night comes along. And Kalani's acknowledged it. Even Kalani, in one of our post-game interviews, was like, yeah, I, he typically he dismisses those things, Greg. But even Kalani had to say, uh, yeah, Greg, I, I think we might have to go back and look at that. I, maybe we'll look at what we're doing in, in the late night games. But there's no question BYU shows up, plays big when the sun goes down. We are back with more of the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show live from Milan Pushkar Stadium in Morgantown, West Virginia, right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Listening to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, let's head live to the All Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Let's pause 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Getting you sent for BYU and West Virginia on this Saturday night in Morgantown. The temperature right now 55 degrees after a glorious afternoon. By the time this game wraps up, we should see temperatures dipping into the low 50s, high 40s. Just a slight wind out of the south at 5 miles per hour tonight. Just a beautiful football weather here in Appalachia in early November. Let's revisit something we talked about a bit earlier, Hans. That's the importance of quarterback run game. And uh, how it has hampered BYU this season not having one. And, and to add perspective, let's go back to 2017. 2017 was the last season in which BYU really struggled mightily on offense and ended up with a losing record that year, 4-9. and nine. The quarterback that season, Tanner Mangum, was not a mobile quarterback. Before him, Taysom Hill, great offenses. After Mangum, Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, mobile quarterbacks, much better offenses. A running QB threat makes you better and harder to defend, and it really helps your third down numbers. In the Hill, Wilson, and Hall years, the quarterback was a third down chain mover. And it's no coincidence that without a mobile quarterback, BYU has its worst third down numbers in 50 years. Hands, I can't see BYU with Aaron Roderick ever going back to just a straight pocket passer. And in fact, the, the, the team BYU will see tonight showcases just the kind of signal caller you kind of want these days. Garrett Green, not a great passer, but he, he and his team are hard to defend because he can gash you on the ground. Jake Retzloff, really good passer and a good runner. He will make West Virginia work to make sure he's accounted for in the run game tonight. But it's really tough to even describe all of the ways it changes your defensive philosophies. It, it tweaks everything. All right, we'll just talk about Green a little bit, the quarterback for West Virginia, what you saw from either Central Florida or what you're going to have to see from BYU. So instead of as a defensive end, I'm on the outside shoulder of the tackle, I've got to widen just a touch more on a third and three or on a third and four. I've got to widen just a touch more because I can't let that outside shoulder get attacked. Now, just if I, at a wider edge? Yes, just as a wider edge. Now, if I'm a if I'm an outside linebacker, if I'm Vong Pachong or I'm, I'm Max Tooley and I'm supposed to be stacked, 
I need to slide just a touch wider because if he takes off running for that corner, I got to be able to beat him to that corner. So what does that do is we widen. Gives you more room inside. That's exactly it. Now it gives the offensive tackle an opportunity to wall off. It gives either a, a blocking back or it gives a guard the opportunity to bump and get up to that widened outside linebacker. And you've got a new seam on the inside. You can hit that new seam with your quarterback off of a, a, a keep that goes up the middle or give it on the outside and see if you can get the edge. It changes everything. All right, let's uh, pause before we go to break and head down to the field for the rest of our national anthem. As we go to break in Morgantown, the final version of Big 12 Bedlam has come to an end in Stillwater. Oklahoma State 27, Oklahoma 24. The Sooners go down again. They're almost certainly out of the playoff chase in their final season in the Big 12. It now sees the Sooners at 4-2 and two as OSU goes to 5-1. and one. Texas could have been out on the same day Oklahoma was, but Kansas State kind of gave one away in overtime, so Texas survives. Texas goes to 5-1. Oklahoma State is 5-1. Iowa State looks to go to 5-1 tonight as things get interesting down the Big 12 stretch. But Bedlam goes to the Cowboys, and the Sooners take a big L in Stillwater. Coming up, we'll head down to field level, check in with Mitchell Juergens here in Morgantown as the Kim Garf Cougar kickoff show continues after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and West Virginia straight ahead on a chilly East Coast Saturday night. It's not too cold, though. It's actually quite pleasant. It's BYU's fifth of six road games this season. The Cougs 1-3 and three on the road. Win at Arkansas, followed by back-to-back-to-back road losses at Kansas, TCU, and Texas. Hands Kalani this week kind of defended his team's record by noting BYU's lost to three very good teams away from home. Big 12 life is no joke, my friend. And uh, Kalani wants folks to see the big picture and not overlook positive developments, uh, even in a loss like Last week, there were some things to like about how BYU played at 7th-ranked Texas. Oh, man, there were some things that I loved so much. In fact, I was really hoping BYU could get that win so we could see some of those reruns that BYU puts out because those goal line stands, Greg, those are as fun as they get. You know, just identifying and making those calls, watching Jackson Cravens take on a block on the two-yard line and switch over the center's face and make a big tackle right there in the middle. Or watching Jacob Robinson fight off a receiver block and get to the outside and take down a big 6'6", 250-pound tight end that was hitting the flats. 
and watching him stop him on the one or the half yard line. There were great things defensively. Forced turnovers, watching them force multiple turnovers, making Malik throw a pick, making Malik fumble the ball. There were great moments from that BYU team last year or last week, and they just got to increase it and improve today. Let's bring in now former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens in the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you. And, Mitch, we shared earlier that uh, the last time BYU and West Virginia met, you were catching a touchdown pass from Taysom Hill. So as Taysom's former teammate, you have a really good perspective on uh, what quarterback mobility can mean to an offense and a team. How excited are you to see what Jake Retzloff brings to the offense tonight for BYU and moving forward? Yeah, Greg, I couldn't be more excited to see what this guy can do tonight. Uh, I talked a bit about this with Jason earlier, but what a quarterback like Jake Retzloff brings to the table is a lot of unpredictability, which can be exciting for a fan and and challenging for defenses. At any point, the guy could get the job done with either his legs or arm, and as a defense, you have to be ready uh, for either, especially in crucial third downs, which can open up a number of options for Aaron Roderick in this offense from a play-calling perspective. Now, Now, back to my playing days with Taysom Hill, my very first collegiate touchdown came against Virginia on a play that could have only happened with an escape artist at QB who bought more time for me to adjust my route and bust, bust open on a scramble drill. We've talked previously about these BYU receivers having a difficult time creating separation, but that could change tonight as a guy like Jake Retzloff can buy them more time to get open as long as they continue to work downfield and not give up on plays like scramble drills, which is really hard for DBs to maintain step-for-step coverage on. So it'll be a fun one tonight to see this guy in action and how this changes the offense. Great perspective, Mitch. Thank you. Coming up next, we'll have the coin toss and the opening kickoff. This has been the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show live from Milan Pushkar Stadium in Morgantown, West Virginia on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.